Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 35 of the 17-18 season and the weekend of the FA Cup semi-finals. I'm your host Tom Rennie and coming up on the show today we are talking weekend teams in the week to stay strong for the FA Cup. Is this the most important weekend of FA Cup football in years and will it save the seasons of Chelsea, of Manchester United? Will it save the season of Tottenham? What does it mean for Southampton if they get through to a final? And what is it about every single season there's a team struggling against relegation who can't be beaten in the cup? We'll also talk about what's coming up in the Premier League, including Burnley chasing down Arsenal in the chase for the Europa League. And we'll be seeing how West Bromwich Albion can get on against Liverpool a week after beating Manchester United. That's all coming up on the Premier League preview show. Here's Paul Pogba, chest puffed out, onto Lukaku. Lukaku past the goalkeeper and steers it in first time. What a finish from Lukaku, what a ball and a run from Pogba. 24 minutes on the clock, Crystal Palace 3, Brighton 1. Will Sahar with his second of the game. This was a magnificent header. Raheem Sterling has blasted the ball into the roof of the net after Hugo Lloris parried the initial shot, but there was Sterling to pounce and rifle the ball home and that surely is the decisive goal in this game at Wembley there goes the final whistle and Manchester City are Premier League champions coming up this weekend the very first game of the weekend comes from the Premier League 12.30 UK time West Brom against Liverpool just the one game at 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday in the top flight as Watford take on Crystal Palace Uh, the late game on Saturday comes from the FA Cup at Wembley as Manchester United take on Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday Arsenal against West Ham United is a rearranged 1.30 UK time fixture big game for West Ham having failed to get all three points against struggling Stoke City on Monday night football they are still not safe from relegation Uh, Man City the champions they're up against Swansea City themselves struggling down the bottom also Stoke City against Burnley a game they simply must win Sunday also has an FA Cup semi-final for you at 3 o'clock UK time as Chelsea take on Southampton and Monday night football this week is Everton against Newcastle United with me in the studio to talk about all 
that we've got time to squeeze in. Jason Yaw, the former Premier League striker. How are you, mate? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Great to have you with us uh, on the preview show this week. Uh, listen, why to start uh, with a topic we haven't had the chance to cover on the show, because last time we had a show, they weren't champions. Uh, Man City are champions. <laughs> it's all a bit disappointing, really, isn't it? I mean, the way they won it. I mean, if you were to win the Premier League, you don't want to win it down the pub, do you? You want to be on the pitch. You want to be scoring the goal that, that gets you over the line. The Mishibachuai thing, and not, you know, sitting no, around your nan's house like Vincent Company was. No, it's there's different ways, and I, what you just said there are not the ways I'd like to. It was either going to be at Jamie Vardy's house. That's yeah, one that way did of look do, good. That was one way of doing it. Or it is the case of being able to do it at your ground, which they had the opportunity against mm. Manchester United effectively to, to do it and win it at home in front of your own in the, in the in a big derby and it was sort of like a oh okay we've won the league type mm. thing wasn't it and but they've won it and that's the important thing regardless of how you would like to have won it but you've done it because of the course of the season and at the moment when you do it's just it's just signed off there you go you're the champions deserving champions as well and there's a great breakdown that was in the times this week in England uh, about how good a champions they are and what the stats show and how they've created more chances, had more possession, dominated more games. Players have performed better than any collective we've had. It's a great read. Um, are they the greatest Premier League champions we've had? Is this the most impressive Premier League season we've had? I mean, I'm thinking back to maybe United in 2001, Chelsea's first Mourinho win. Where does this rank? The Invincibles, of course, for Arsenal. Where does this rank? It ranks high up there. I can't. I couldn't sort of say it's the best. The best ever. I think in terms of the way you want to see games of football played, in terms of the intensity, the passing, the attacking flair, the defensive qualities when they try and win the ball back as quick as they can, the amount of chances at goal, the, the, the different types of goals and goal scorers. You look and go and say, yeah, that was a that was a team that you go and look and say, I like I like what they did and how they done it, but. It was probably no different to Chelsea last year. Chelsea blew everyone away. Mm. Everyone made the excuse, well, they're the only team that weren't in Europe and that's all they had to play for. You know, they won it in a certain way and in a certain style. The Invincibles, as we know, United in 2001, 19, it's But it's just, there are different ways of winning the league titles. And you look at Man City this year, Chelsea, but even Leicester, you know, they've done it their way. 4-4-2, hard work, counter-attacking. So there is no wrong or right way, right way of of looking at how you win a league title, but it's just doing it over the course of the season, getting more wins than everybody else. doesn't matter how you do it. Vincent Company has said that he wants to retain the Premier League title. It's something he's never done and something doesn't really get done uh, these days. You seem to be have become champions and have a full-on meltdown for the following 12 <laughs> yeah. months. Maybe you've celebrated too hard. I don't know. I've never been invited to the parties. Var didn't invite me. Fabregas <laughs> didn't invite me. I'm trying. I'm hawking around. I'm ready to party, but they're not calling me. Um... Is that a thing for City? There's a lot of fear of a dynasty being built there from other clubs. What would they need to do from this point for that to become a thing? Would they need to spend another 200, 300 million pounds, City? I wouldn't think they'll have to spend that much in terms of the investment. It's There's not too many areas where I'd feel they need to improve on. I think it's certain areas in terms of adding to it, adding more quality. I don't think it's getting another player who's going to be better than the one who's in that position. I think mm. it's getting someone else's, probably like a like-for-like. Like. If that one's out, that one can fit in straight away. You could probably see a couple of changes being made to the squad, i.e. like a, a Torre. Would he be there next season? Someone like that. So 
it's probably just going to look in terms of looking at how can I add to the group, not so much, I don't think he's improving it, because I think with Pep, he probably knows what he wants to do in terms of how he improves the group that he's got and make them better. And I think mm. that's what he's done over the years at, at Bayern and at Barcelona with the players he has. He doesn't really go and invest too much. It's just, how do I improve the group that I've got? Another story uh, from this week. Uh, the Premier League and the EFL apparently are close to officially announcing plans to introduce a winter break uh, to English football. Uh, it's something that's been developing for a long time. We're expecting it to come in. Uh, and the first break, uh, apparently, uh, reportedly, is pencilled in for January and February 2020 with 10 teams going to the beach and another 10 teams playing. Then they switch over and the other team go to beach uh, and they play their game. So we have Premier League football continuously running. Uh, there'd still be replays, apparently, in the third and fourth round of the FA Cup because apparently that's necessary. Um what, what do you make to this plan? Because eventually we just got to try it, haven't we? We can't keep going round in circles and not doing it. Would you have loved to have January off? No, not really. You just want to play the games. You just want to play and play and play. And being able to to know that, oh, if we just keep playing until such and such a time, we're going to have a holiday and have a break and things like that. You just, you just want to go and play. Now, so it wouldn't have helped you, do you think? No, not really. Because I think it's, who's, who's it benefiting, mm. really? It, it's looking at, right, do we want our English teams to be successful in the Champions League? Because I think that's where it always goes down to. Because the other European countries have that break. They tend to do better in the, in the Champions League and so on and so forth. So there's got to be a goal of why we're doing it. Mm. But also it's a case of, is there going to be the benefits of having it? So, yes, it's great that the, the, the Football League and the Premier League are sitting down together as a first. That's great. And coming up with a plan and agreeing, saying, OK, let's give it a try. But ultimately, it's the success you get is the amount of games you're going to play. And that's part and parcel of it. So the teams that are lower down the leagues is, if I'm not going to have a game for three weeks because I'm out of the FA, it has been this year. I've been knocked out of the FA Cup. We're supposed to be having a winter break now. You end up probably not having a game for mm. two, three weeks and you're having like a mini pre-season again to, to start getting back to playing football. Well, Bournemouth got 10 days off in between no. their game against United and then when they play Southampton, West Ham had three weeks off where yeah. they went to Miami and trained really hard really on the hard, beach. Yeah. Those yep. pina coladas look shattering. Uh, I think Joe Hart's still drinking them every single day. <laughs> That's what he's doing wrong. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an odd one, this, but... We've basically spoken about it so long now and they keep saying it has to be a thing. I think the most important thing for me is that as soon as Man United, in that break, organise a friendly with Real Madrid, the whole thing gets cancelled. Or it's a case of we're going on a warm weather training camp. Yeah, but we're nonsense, having, like, right? It's a jolly. Yeah, but they're, we're all, ha- they're yeah. all jollies. And we're having a, a chari- not a charity game, like a sponsors or right. you know one of those ones it's a case of well but even then if they play if they even if they did it for UNICEF yeah, like you've said for years you're doing it because you need to take a break from football if they go and play football what are we doing yeah why have we spoken about it no, for so long there was a difference of the Miami jolly up and the Newcastle one where mm. Newcastle's on was well we're going to have a game to keep us ticking over because, like I said, is you want to keep playing a game in so front of an empty stadium. Do it. Yeah, if that's you're going what to make they did. five mil out of it. No, no, exactly, and that's what that's what Newcastle did. They mm. took out 
a big enough squad, and I think they had two games in the short space of time they were there, and they used it as, well, we're not playing league football, we need to keep doing something to get us ready for when we do go back. So there has to be the reasons of why that they're going to have this break. I want to get to the FA Cup uh, semi-finals, which you're here to talk about, but there's another quick story I want to, to bring to your attention, uh, and that is the controversial, much maligned, much criticised uh, PFA Premier League Team of the Year. Uh, now, I don't know how many of you out there have seen it. I imagine everybody in the sporting world has seen this this week. And it's something every year seems to annoy people. Uh, so David De Gea is in goal. Fourth year in a row uh, that he has got it. Not Edison, who's actually won the league. Or, or Nick Pope, who's made more saves and, and perhaps has had a more impressive season because the amount of shots that come up against him during a game. But no, uh, it's got a David De Gea again. These are the ones voted for by players uh, around February, March time. Uh, Kyle Walker... Uh, has got it. Jan Vertonghen, Nicholas Otamendi and Marcus Alonso across the back. David Silva, De Bruyne and Christian Eriksen in midfield with Harry Kane, Mohamed Salah and Sergio Aguero, who's in it for the very first time. Uh, and I would say not any strongest season, though he has scored a lot of goals statistically. Uh, has he been as important as, as, as maybe Firmino has for Liverpool? There's an argument there. But I mean, I've just got to ask you this. Now, you don't vote these days, you know, because you're an old fella now. You're one of us, you know. You're one of, the, you're one of those... Uh, um, you know, in your civvies now. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you don't wear your, your kit. Um, though I'd love to see you set up in a full Charlton kit. That would make me very happy. I, come in I know you do like sometimes that. in training <laughs> kit, and I do enjoy that. Um, but <laughs> it just, it just it makes, me, it makes me feel part of it. Um, but some of this is unimaginative, isn't it? This is why it annoys people, because, you know, Nicolas Otamendi, he's done a lot of successful passes this year. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but has he had a better season than Tchaikovsky at Burnley, which a lot of people are saying? Ben Mee at Burnley have had very impressive seasons. I mean, there's players who have overperformed and there's players who have been playing in the best team, but he's still error-prone. He's still Mm. the same rash player he used to be, but, you know, people don't attack Man City. So how can their defender be in the best defence if they don't ever do any defending? The thing is, is when I put myself back in the situation of picking your team and you go in terms of the performance of that player... Mm. And I think, like you said, it's just building up to it. It's voted by the players. So, do you do it in your lunch break? Do you do it like in you the do, car? You do. You do actually do it in your lunch break. You do it once you come in and the forms are there, and it's like, right, we need to pick your team. Some people go off and do it by themselves. They don't mm. want to be around everyone else and pick. You can't vote same... for your team, can you? So everyone that's so not you, in your team. Yeah. So you can't you can't vote for your own te- your own teammate. You only vote for the teams in your league. So people are going to have the opinions of well, why is he and why is he not, and so on and so forth. But these are coming from the players that they're going to look at, right, who's in that position who's done well this season or done well against Mm. us or even myself if I'm a left winger and I've played against Kyle Walker on two occasions and he's had the best. There are things like that that you look at. And it's not always going to be the best 11. It's really terms of the players looking at it and thinking, right, if it's a certain formation, it's going to have to be, Mm. right, these players have done well this season. I think you can still go off of, right, this is the Premier League players 11, but then still why not have the fans 11? So you you see it every month but, but, in certain... Yeah. But it's have a players one, which is what this is, mm. because it's voted by the players. It's, player, it's players' recognition of a fellow professional. That's what it is. But isn't it annoying to you that players seem to be utterly unimaginative? Like if oh, I, yeah. I mean, you know, you've been in this position, so you know, prove me wrong. But if not I'm in the eleven, but I've, I've no, been in yeah, the process. You should have been. <laughs> uh, but if I was, if I'm a Watford player, I'm thinking, well, I play for Watford, so who in the teams around me? 
I've had a season similar to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If I'm Troy Deeney, for example, I might think about, well, Jamie Varney's had a good season. Or I might think, Callum Wilson got a lot of similar attributes to me. I don't know. Like, yeah. Where's the imagination? Everyone going, oh, De Bruyne, Salah, Ego Vera, there me that. Alonso, Alonso's not yeah. even the best left back at Chelsea this year. I know, and that's, that's like I said, that's we always going to get those those opinions and the, the controversies of why is he and why is that one not in. And, I mean, we, we spoke about off-air just about who else could we bring in? Like you said, we mentioned mm. the burning. We said, that you look at it and you think, well, possibly a Pope, Tartoski. And, and you are sort of thinking of, well, has that left back, Ward, been the best left back mm. or been better than another? Now, you could probably say he's had a better season than Alonso, but maybe Alonso's just going on reputation. And that's sometimes how it can be looked at. And coming from being truthful, sometimes is you probably get stuck in a certain position and you go, I'll just go with that one. And probably at a lot of occasions you this year, it's probably going to wind us up, don't you? <laughs> it gives you lots of. You're basically we're talking about it. You're basically right. Who is going to what's going to wind up football <laughs> supporters? I know I like him, but Alonso. Yeah, fine. Let's just get out of here. Uh, right, it's annoyed me as well. I know everyone, <laughs> but uh, footballers are lazy. Uh, let's talk about the FA Cup semi-final when we come back. It's the Premier League and FA Cup preview show. It is the Premier League preview show for the 35th week of the season. We're talking FA Cup semi-finals as well. Great semi-finals this time around. Manchester United up against Tottenham and Chelsea take on Southampton. Redmond just trying to drive it forth. Cedric has nodded it past his man. It's a chance for Southampton to kill off the game. And that is exactly what they've done. They're through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup for the first time in 15 years. It's Conte in towards Pedro. Pedro's got in front of Schmeichel and he's headed it home. And he could have just headed Chelsea into the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Work back to Ericsson. 3-0. That Spurs through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Around that back post, and Matic is there! And it's in for Manchester United, and it's the Mania Matic who scores. Well, Mourinho called out yesterday, and he said Lukaku and Matic are the players delivering for him, and they've delivered tonight. They've got the two goals that send Manchester United into the FA Cup semi-final. With me still in the studio to talk about these games is the former Southampton striker, Jason Yule. And Jason, that's where I'd like to start. Uh, Chelsea-Southampton is 3 o'clock UK time on Sunday. Uh, and the reason I want to start here is because you know Southampton are in real trouble down the bottom of the Premier League. Um, full disclosure, we're recording this programme before the, the game on Thursday night, so we don't know the result of the game on Thursday for Southampton. But we do know this season has been a disaster for them. Um, and whatever happens, they're going to be in the relegation zone for this game. But how, every year, does a team who are in relegation trouble, the Wigan scenario, how do teams like that keep getting their way through at the semi-finals? And is it a distraction? Is it something where players are, are focused on that game and not focused on other? And is it the kind of thing that can cause relegations? It can go both ways, because... We always, you love talking about I the weakened team situation. I do. Did now, I'm blue in the face. Some some managers don't always want to go down that route of trying to weaken the team too much because what happens is you, you can get into that rut. We've lost the last three. Now we've got an FA Cup game. If I make so many changes, that could be four. And then you're going into your fifth game back in the Premier League. And all of a sudden, 
you're looking at what you haven't done previously going into this game. So you're going to get some teams that try and get that balance of we'll still need to try and have a good cup run because that can build momentum. That's the thing. Like I said, the game you have previously going into your FA Cup game, you get a good result or positive performance, you can take that in. And it's like you said, it's a strange scenario where you do have these sort of relegation threatened teams having good cup runs. And like we said, is because we don't know what the result is going to be going into yeah. the semi-final. It could be actually a positive thing for Southampton. It could be them coming off the back of a win. All of a sudden, it's the team actually changes that he had in mind for Sunday because of building momentum. If we can have a good three points we had mm. on Thursday, now going into Sunday, that's two good performances, two good wins going into that third game back in the Premier League. Hasn't quite clicked fully for, for Mark Hughes no. yet since, since returning to Southampton. Uh, he's tried three at the back. He's tried two at the back. He's tried Ward-Prowse. He's tried Tadic. He's tried Romeo. He's tried um, Lamina. He's tried everything in his first few games. He is the kind of manager that takes time, 10, 12, 15 games, for people to come around to, to the way he does things. It's such a anti-Southampton's style appointment. Mm. Yeah. Why is he there? What, how desperate That's... were they for, 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 to, for anyone to come in to replace Pellegrino? I mean, I'm looking at... If they go down, can he be blamed? I still think, yeah, because there's still enough games. I think there's still enough games from his appointment to, to get them out of trouble. Can you look at the players? Possibly. But then also it's what's being asked of them as well by the manager. Now, you've seen Mark Hughes has been a Premier League manager for many years. He knows the Southampton squad. He's seen. He's played against them probably twice already this mm. season for Stoke. Played against a lot of the players. So he knows that squad. Now... If he was getting that phone call, Mark, we're interested, all of a sudden he's thinking, right, what could be my 11 in this formation and shape? What could be my 11 in this? So he's already got an idea of those players. So there shouldn't have to be that much of the 11, 12, 13 games like you said. It should be already as I I know these players. I've worked against them in terms of, right, how do I stop them? What's their strengths? What's their weaknesses? He knows about them already. It's now really getting his messages across, going, right, I know you're, that you do this, because that's what you did when you played against my former team. I need you to do this again and even better, because that's what you used to do to hurt other teams. Why it's taking so long, we don't know. So could it just be the players are just not good enough this season for the results to go their way? Mm. But it was a strange appointment. Mm. And it was an off-the-cuff type thing in terms of the way that they've been having their policies of getting people in. For Chelsea... Um, I say this every week on this show and on so many shows. Olivier Giroud's got a play, hasn't he? <laughs> like, he came on against Southampton last week and, and totally changed the game. Uh, he came on against West Ham and nearly won him the game. He is such a good striker. He, he rarely misses the target. He's a great link-up man. Him and Hazard have obviously got a bit of a connection already. And yet... It seems to be anyone but Giroud. Is it Conte saying, I never wanted him, so I ain't starting him? And eventually, if it is that, and I think it probably is, to be honest, he's going to have to swallow his pride and say, yeah, he's probably our best striker. And he's probably when I was the striker who's scoring goals. Now, even with the game on... What day was Southampton game? I've lost. Yes, Sunday. Saturday Sat- early. Saturday, Saturday, early, Saturday yeah. sorry. It's too many and games. There is, yeah. Too many games. <laughs> Days as well. So Saturday, you're 2-0 down and you're, you're chasing... And you take off Murat and you bring on Giroud. And I'm looking and thinking, yes, okay, you have this system, you want to play it all the time. You're 2-0 down. Mm. 
why not just play both of them together? And that's sometimes you think, okay. But he does it for like two minutes, then takes Morata off. Yeah. Like, repeatedly. And it's like, well, what's the point? Why are you doing it? But going to your point on Giroud, he is your one scoring goals. He is the one that who knows the Premier League. He's the one that knows all these centre-halves, which one to go and play on, because he doesn't like the way that I play, which one I need to go and uh, create space for Hazard. Where do I need? He, he gets it. I think at the moment, Murata is still very much off the cuff and still hasn't grasped mm. the Premier League. And the position that they're in now in Chelsea have wanted to finish the season on a high by winning the FA Cup, a guy who's someone who's won it, was it three times in mm. the last five years, if asked something like that. He knows what it's about and he knows what the atmosphere is going to be like playing an FA Cup semi-final. He should start. Just couldn't pick the Chelsea team and I couldn't pick a winner because Chelsea could turn up and batter them or Southampton could, could pull off a shock. It's a great semi-final. Uh, it's a shame they should have it up, uh, up against Premier League games, but I'm not yeah. getting drawn into not, that, no, all right? No, I'm no. not doing it because it's stupid. <laughs> it's really, really stupid. Very annoying. A really anno- but I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Uh, let's do the other semi. Uh, it's 5.15 UK time on Saturday. Manchester United up against Tottenham. You and I were doing uh, the Man United game against Bournemouth together on, uh, what day was it? Wednesday. There we go. I'm doing the same thing now. Um, Anyone in there? I know we spoke about it on the night, but anyone there played themselves into contention? Pogba had a good second half, I thought. Lukaku came off the bench and scored. Herrera, I, I think, may have been a, a question mark, but I think I'd start him the weekend. Like I said, um, when we'd done the, the commentary the other night, it was maybe him playing Pogba to try and get that momentum going into the semi-final. And he, he played, I think it was 75, 80 minutes. But Lingard, I think he was going to start. I think, again, for him, I think he's one of those players that Marino loves playing. Mm. He knows he's going to get from him. But I think Herrera is the one that has put himself forward. I think even when we talk about the game against Manchester City, the second half, everyone stepped up. Mm. He was one of those players that stepped up, didn't hide. And then it goes to the West Brom game. Yeah, disappointing. But tonight, I think he showed, again, the fight, the technical ability that he's got, putting that through ball in for Lingard to to create the first goal. So I, I would say that... In terms of tonight, I'll say that Lingard, Herrera and and Pogba and will start. Uh, and what about Rashford? Because it's a weird situation with him. He's sometimes left wing, right wing, perennial substitute. Did he fail his audition as centre forward against Bournemouth? Was that the last time we'll see him playing in that role for United, do you think? And also a question on his future, because a lot of talk about would it be better for him to next season be playing for Burnley? or Leicester, or whomever, a top half, but not top six Premier League team, Arsenal? I mean, I'm looking at it thinking, we said in the commentary during the game about Jesse Lingard, about the qualities that he has. He can play in various positions, but get him in a position where he can actually grow in and get better at. And I think that's similar to to Marcus Rashford as well. Is it going to be on the left wing? where he can grow and make that position his own, regardless Mm. of Sanchez being there or not, is... Get him, get him a position where he can then become the best player at that football club or in England or for England in that position. Give the boy an opportunity, not in terms of moving and shifting him. Because, yes, he's young, he's still learning. and he's, Every position you play is different roles. You're being asked to do different things. So it's there, where can he go and be in one position and go and make that his outright number one position? And have the, for example, if he said as a, as a centre forward, playing on the wing as an option, rather than saying, well, you're going to go and play there today because after six, you're going to go and play there. Mm. And I think that it's, like I said, knowing what Mourinho wants to do with the group of players he's got next year to get the best out of them. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. In their strongest positions. Yeah, need some Mourinho players and, and currently you do feel he doesn't really have his own squad. Uh, but a great chance of an FA Cup final, a great chance of, of maybe salvaging this season. Um, but that's the same story for Tottenham as well because they haven't challenged the Premier League title the, the, the Champions League has some great moments but it was a damp squib in mm. the end uh, the way they got knocked out Harry Kane has said it would be a disappointment this season if they didn't end up winning a trophy and you know however much Spurs fans and, and people will say no nah, it don't matter about that what's important is the Champions I don't know why I did Harry Redknapp that was weird I don't know why I did it um, but that's how I envisage all Spurs fans apparently but no it doesn't matter because we're in the Champions League um, but winning something matters. Winning something's important. And Pochettino has tried to play it down this week, but it can't be played down. I think they've got to win this FA Cup, and uh, and I think they've got the, I think the best team still in it. I think the expectancy there is now for them to win something and to then start winning things after that, because, like you just said there, we'd rather the Champions League. Well, so did Arsenal. Mm. But then they started winning the FA Cup. Well, well, what's the FA Cup? We mm. finished above. Hold on. Like we said, is what do you want at the end of the season? Do you want to finish yeah, in the Champions fans, League? Though, it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or do you want to come away with we've won a trophy? It might not be the most glamorous one, but you've won a trophy at the end of the season. And I think that's what Spurs need to start thinking of is in terms of people giving them the plaudits of being the best or most attractive team with the best individuals mm. and and progressing. Okay, brilliant. But what did you win? That ultimately is what people want. People want to have days out at cup finals and making sure you're coming home and you're bringing a trophy with you and showing the medal to your family. That's what I think Tottenham now need to start putting to as a as a forefront now of we need to start winning things. Challenging, looking pretty is brilliant, but ultimately start winning things. You can't hang a participation medal on your wall. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, just one final one on that on that. Topic, um, they, they played a weakened team, Spurs, no doubt about it, against Brighton and gave everyone else in the relegation mix with Brighton a, a lot, I think, to, to moan about because they did play a second string. You know, Lucas Moura is not in the first team. Serge Aurier, I mean, I can't... Sissoko. Sissoko getting minutes. I mean, Serge Aurier, I can't believe that he'd be playing for Tottenham next year. Very, very poor player. Um, if they lose 
and they've thrown away points in the Premier League as well. They've thrown away the chance to, to climb to third, to climb to second, because they've thrown points away. Uh, and he's done that before, Pochettino. done it against Dortmund in the Europa League a couple yep. of years ago. He's done it in the Champions League previously as well. You know, he does throw certain games, but then he's got to go and win the other game. If he doesn't, you know, he, he, we talk about his future. Mm. Who would want him if when it comes to the big games, he can't get a team over the line? He's got a lot to prove. No, because ultimately it is, is what have we won? Now, like you said, yes, he's had a good tenure, but Tottenham fans are going to want a better one, especially when talking about going into a new stadium. Yeah, brilliant. Let's get Champions League again. Let's get Champions League again. Let's get semi-final. No, let's start going into a new stadium. Let's start winning things. Let's start participating and going further in the Champions League because do they want to start replicating those down the road what they're going to say is they moved into the new stadium to go and win things they ain't yeah. won nothing do, do we want to be like them of course they don't they want to be their own and be not like the ones down the road I bet there have been a few phone calls um, talking about Carl Walker this week as well oh Premier League champion is he <laughs> uh, hello is that my agent um, look, really quickly because uh, we've overrun massively a um, couple of quick predictions on the two starting with Chelsea Southampton how do you see it going give me a score Chelsea 2-1 yeah, I, I would I would agree with Chelsea winning it, but I think it'll be quite close. Uh, United, Tottenham, uh, how do you see it going? And give me a score. Penalties. <laughs> think so. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't think it'll be the spectacle that everyone probably thinks it's going to be mm. or wants it to be. Mm. I think it will just be very cautious. I think it'll be a cautious game because it's Mourinho. I am not now nor have I ever backed against Man United in a semi-final. I'm not about to start now. Man, you won nil for me. Jason Yule, thanks for your time, mate. Thank you. Always good to have you with us on the preview show. Stay with us. We're going to talk about Arsenal next. West Ham United, the visitors this weekend. Who needs the points more? Big question. That's next. For us, it's uh, important that, uh, first of all, now we have a big opponent. With Atletico Madrid, as everybody knows, so for us uh, it's absolutely vital uh, to beat them and to have a chance to go in the final and win the competition. But uh, we have a big obstacle, big hurdle in the semi-final, and uh, I would even say that Atletico Madrid certainly uh, is seen as uh, one of the favorite seen as a favorite to to win the competition. But I believe at our best we can beat them. Until we're safe and out of sight, then we, you know, we, we can't do that. We've got to focus on the next game and try and pick up points. I think we're capable. I think we've, I think we've played a bit better in recent weeks, and uh, I'm hoping that we can keep that going. You're listening to the Premier League preview show for the 35th week of the season, as ever. There's drama at the end of the campaign with Arsenal. In the old days, of course, it would be them or Tottenham for the Champions League. The 2018 variant is them or Burnley for the Europa. I know. Let's talk to a man who played for Arsenal, covers them a lot as well. It's our resident Arsene Wenger supporter, Adrian Clark's on the line. How are you, mate? You all right? <laughs> Hello, Tom. Yeah, very well, thank you. A uh, big game for the Gunners this weekend at home against West Ham. I want to talk about the West Ham perspective as well because there's a lot riding on it for them. Uh, but mm-hmm. for Arsenal, incredible that they'd be in a battle for sixth with Burnley. Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't reflect brilliantly on their season as a whole. And look, it would, it would be, let's face it, embarrassing for, for all Arsenal supporters if Burnley were to finish above them. But let's put this into context. Manchester United, I think, finished seventh recently. Chelsea were down in 10th, weren't they, a couple mm. of years ago? So, so look, it, it, this isn't the worst season in the history of a big gun in the Premier League. But um, 
the fact that Burnley are so close doesn't doesn't reflect brilliantly. Can I ask you about the home versus the away form? Because it's amazing yeah. when you look at the record. Uh, at home, just two losses all season, 13 victories, some great performances. And one of them was the Man United game that me and you did. And I still can't understand yeah. now, months later, how Man United won that game. Uh, yeah. Away from ha- at home, though, uh, it's defeat after defeat. No victories in this calendar year, just three across the season. Uh, I know they're at home this weekend, but why has the away yeah. form been so poor? It's, it's been really bad, hasn't it? Yeah, the contrast is huge. You know what? I think I think what it boils down to is defensive instability. It is Arsenal do not have a very good defence this season. I'm not just talking about the back four. I'm talking about what's in front of them, the protection as well. And and when they're on home turf, they're on the front foot. They spend most of their time going forward. It's not such an issue. But away from home, they are tested. They are asked questions, and they've crumbled. What the issue? The the second part of the problem is that to win any game away from home, you need control at the back. You need to be able to keep things nice and steady to, to get a hold of the ball and then to produce quality passes going forward. And that is where Arsenal really struggled away from home. At the back, in that defensive midfield position, they've just not kept the ball at all well. And, ser- and as a consequence, the service into the front men has been pretty dire. And if you look at the number of chances... Arsenal are creating away from home, it is so much lower than when they're at Emirates Stadium. So, so yeah, there's a lot of work to do moving forward. I think it's spiralled out of control a little bit. The confidence is now is now dented, of course, because mm. so many defeats. But, um, but yeah, no, I, what it boils down to is they need to be stronger than the spine of the pitch. Not just a little bit stronger, miles stronger. Do you think they'd spend the, the £150 million necessary to improve that back line? Because the, the back five at Newcastle is checking goal, and he's had a poor season uh, by anyone's standards, never mind his own. Then you've got Chambers, Mustafi, Holding and Monreal. Now, City were in a, not the same position as this, but vaguely similar in that defensively last year they were let down repeatedly by ageing or underperforming players and they obviously uh, in that that time have bought Stones and Laporte and and Kyle Walker and Mendy and changed the keeper as well Arsenal spend the money, the the front line is a a lot of money, would they give Arsene Wenger in what could be his last year, what what may not be his last year again we don't know, would they give him the 150 maybe 200 mil to spend to improve I hope so, I really do because that's what the team needs I actually don't think you need to touch the forward line. I think it's it's just fine as it is. Scoring goals, loads of creation, if given the right ammunition. It is from, I would say, the the goalkeeper, the back four, and a couple of of midfield slots can all do with strengthening. And and that's going to cost a lot of money. I would focus entirely on that. And if I was a member of that back four, I wouldn't feel safe about my spot moving forward. If... I played for another club. Now, Arsene Wenger, as we know, is, is quite generous. He's not the most ruthless of, of managers. He will have faith in his players and he'll give you chance after chance. Um, I personally hope that he has sort of run out of patience with a few of the guys because there's only so many mistakes you're, mm. you, you should be allowed to make before you upgrade. And, yeah, I would like to see Arsenal upgrade quite significantly at the back this season. If they... It, look... Put it this way, if a new manager comes in this summer, that is what they will do because the first job is to identify what needs, what needs work and I think we can all see where Arsenal are at their weakest. 
Uh, quickly on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I just wanted to ask you how annoyed you were that Arsene Wenger did what he always does with, with new signings of any kind of quality, and he bunged him out on the left wing against Newcastle. <laughs> What's that about? I know, I know. But what I will say, OK, his best position is he's on the shoulder in the last century defender. But he, I just don't think he's got the confidence at the moment to play with two up top. Hopefully, this is the, the Arsene will go with two up front in the future because they've got two great players there. They might as well find a formula to get them to get them next to one another. But what has happened the last couple of times Aubameyang has played out left is that whenever Arsenal have the ball, he joins in and he does play as a second centre forward. Now I've looked at the heat maps, touch maps, all sorts, as you know I love to do, mm. and he has touched the ball in central areas in that game against Newcastle and the previous one a lot. Not. All the time, not exclusively, but he's got into the box. He's got in around the central areas a great deal. So it's not disastrous. And I'm happier doing that than having one of them sat on the bench. Because mm. I think Lacazette's playing really well. Um, but yeah, long term, I think most Arsenal fans want to see two up top. Uh, and just finally on Arsenal, because of course it's a big game for West Ham as well. I just wanted to ask you about some of the young players getting a chance. Because I'm loving seeing this actually. Uh, Arsene Wenger mm. has said... Pretty blatantly, it is the Europa League that matters. It's Atletico that matters. And, and we aren't going to be, be playing our strongest teams in the league. And, and you know, there will be opinions on that. But we got to yeah. see Willock start at St. James's Park. We've seen in Ketcher. We've seen Nelson. Uh, Maitland-Niles, a bit more established. But he came on, I think, against Newcastle uh, as well. Yeah. Um, some very, very good young players getting some, some really crucial, hopefully, developmental minutes. Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's the one upside, isn't it, of the fact that the Premier League season is dead, dead and buried. So, so, no, look, I'm pleased to see that happening. Um, I thought Nelson showed some really nice flashes in his last home game. I felt a bit sorry for, for young Joe Willock because the game passed him by a little bit in Newcastle. It's always tougher playing away from home, especially in a team that can't seem to win or get any kind of points away from home. Not easy. So, so I felt a bit sorry for him. And Ketu is a real predator. Unfortunately for him, he's now got Aubameyang and Lacazette and Welbeck ahead of him. So, so he's, he's going to find game time hard to come by. Maitland-Niles has got a chance. Um, unfortunately with Maitland-Niles, I think he kind of fluffed his audition at playing central midfield the last time he was fit and ready. He didn't have a very good game against Ostersons. And now I wonder if Arsene Wenger will, will, will just use him as a utility guy, mainly at full-back cover which I think is a shame for him. But, mm. but no, there's a lot of talent coming through, but you just wonder, are they good enough to make a difference at the moment in a way that, let's remember Marcus Rashford when he emerged, yeah. he, he just hit the ground running and he didn't just play well, he scored loads of goals. And, and what's happened with the young players that Arsenal had, they've played pretty well, but they haven't changed the game mm. in, our, in Arsenal's favour. So, so I think we should sort of temper our enthusiasm in the short term. Another long, young player will be playing this weekend, uh, he'll be playing for West Ham, is Declan Rice, who, who's been very impressive uh, in recent weeks. Uh, West Ham have drawn 11 games this season, only Brighton uh, and West Brom and Southampton have drawn more than the Hammers. Uh, and I was mm. at the game Monday night against Stoke. And David Moyes, I mean, he's just so negative. At home against Stoke, worst defence in the league, he basically played 7-2-1. That's his formation at home against Stoke. And it's a game they could have lost in the end. And if they lost that game, and remember they were losing it in the 90th minute, uh, they could have got drawn back into this mess. They're clear by seven points right now. Tough games, uh, but everyone's got some tough games down there. I think West Ham set up to try and draw this game and maybe do what they did against 
against Chelsea and draw their way to safety. Is that a good tactic away at Arsenal right now? <laughs> um, do you know what? The best tactic to be Arsenal is to actually go on the front foot. I think it's a, it's a, especially at Emirates Stadium, we've seen it with a few of the overseas teams that have scored goals, have, they've shown no fear. Because look, you want to get at Arsenal, don't you? I think mm-hmm. if you sit and if you sit and defend, there's only so long you can hold out. And yeah, even when you play Moyes ball, which is as you say, seven two one, such a defensive manager. I, I got to say, Tom, the fixtures for West Ham are not good, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got ninth and above. That's that's who they're playing between now and the end of the season. I can tell you now, they've won one game against teams ninth and above all season. That was that was the one game against Chelsea, um, unforgettable game at London mm. Stadium. The rest of the games, yeah, there's a scattering of draws here and there, but look, there's every chance I think the West Ham won't win another game this season. Probably two draws will do, but. Yeah, not easy. Not which, easy. Which is why it's so frustrating yeah. that they didn't try and beat Stoke. It's it's mad. It really is. And, and yeah, Stoke were there for the take. I never thought that game was a gimme. I know West Ham were, were strong odds on favourites, but I just didn't think you could trust them yeah. because Moyes is a protection manager, isn't he? He he wants to not lose rather than win, and and that's the issue. And it's such a shame because I do think he's got the players up top really hurt the opposition. You know, someone like Arnautovic had a really good second half of the season. Get him on the ball mm. as much as as much as possible. That should be the message. The same with the likes of Lanzini. But, but yeah, look, this, this five at the back with, you know, <laughs> practically three players in front, it, it, it's not entertaining. Um, and, yeah, I think they'll be on a hide into nothing at Arsenal if they, if they play that way. But you know he will. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of what we expect. You know, this is this is going to be a tough run in for West Ham. Have they got enough points already? Oh, I still think they need at least two more points. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. And they could have got a Monday, but didn't because Moyes is lacking in basic bravery. Uh, and Stoke City, terrible side, got a really good point, but maybe not a really good point. Let's briefly talk about them. Uh, they're in action against Burnley uh, also on Sunday at the same time as, as Arsenal are playing. Uh, they find themselves, just like Southampton, adrift, but they've only got four games to play at this point. Um, mm. Even if they won three of those games, um, which I don't see them doing, I think Stoke City could be in real trouble. They can't afford not to get all three points this weekend against Burnley, can they? Yeah, they need it, yeah, because one of their games is Liverpool away, so um, they're not going to get anything there, you'd imagine. So, look, yeah, Burnley, it's not an easy place to go, though, is it? What, what's in Stoke's favour is they've got Palace, and they've got Swansea, so, so there's two six-pointers that they might win. Uh, the indications are, form-wise, that they won't. Um, but look, when you've got someone like Shaqiri, you've always got a chance, haven't you? Um, I think they'll be competitive at Burnley. Burnley don't, don't thump too many sides, do they? But what's been, it's been really interesting. I've enjoyed the change at Burnley. And, that, and by change, I mean, Sean Dice, obviously his team wasn't scoring enough goals. So what he's done is he's effectively replaced Jeff Hendrick with a second striker, so he's mm. gone with Barnes and Wood. And it's worked because Barnes grafts hard, and he will pick up loose balls in the way that Hendrick does and offer the goal threat. So all of a sudden, Burnley, instead of scoring one goal a game, are banging in a couple a game, which, is, which has made the world a difference. And that's why they've been on such a, such a decent run. So, um, yeah, it's a tough game for Stoke. Uh, hand on heart, even though they've got to win it, I can't see them winning it. I think I think the, the Burnley sort of machine is going to roll on and on. I think this is their season. They've, they've found a formula 
a little bit like Leicester, not quite as good as Leicester when mm. they won the title. They found that formula, and when you're on that roll, you know, it's, it's actually harder to get off it sometimes than to keep it going. Yeah, it really has been a tremendous season. The form team in the Premier League, and of course they face Arsenal next weekend or the week after. Uh, in, in towards the running, very close, uh, and that could be a decider for who finishes sixth. And it's in between uh, those Atletico games for Arsenal as well. Lots to play for. Uh, Adrian, thanks a lot, mate. Good to have you with us. Uh, and Adrian is going to be part of our commentary team this weekend on Talksport International. He's going to be with Barry Swain for West Brom against Liverpool. Uh, that's a twelve thirty UK time kick. Quick prediction on that one, Aid? Yeah, really looking forward to it. Oh, look. West Brom nil, Liverpool eight. Since our last Premier League preview show, Manchester City have been crowned Premier League champions. They celebrate that fact at home on Sunday against struggling Swansea City, where they'll get a guard of honour. To celebrate that title, the former Spurs, now City fullback Kyle Walker, joined Alan Brazil and David Ginola on TalkSport's Sports Breakfast this week. Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been um, you know, a joy to play with them all and obviously with the manager, putting his philosophy into us all it's been you know a fantastic year what's it was I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, by two managers Josie and Pep um, you know the, the, I, I, it's a very interesting Pep when he you know when he gets a hold of players at the final whistle even some opposition players he wants to chat to you know um, it looks to me as if he just lives his whole life football Carl yeah, he's he's very passionate. I think you can see that on the on the pitch. I mean, it's happened a, a few times with the opposition players, you know, which he does apologise after. But he just wants to win, and I think that just shows in his record that he's got as a manager that he, you know, he likes winning and he likes to do it in style as well. Yeah, and you'd be hoping he stays. Uh, uh, you know, there's talk of a new contract, and I would imagine what he's got at City, you know, he wants the big one. He wants Champions League. He wants to win everything. So you'll be hoping he stays on for another at least three years, I would imagine, Cal. Yeah, well, that was a big, you know, big reason for me to sign with Manchester City is because, you know, the manager of his calibre, I wanted to work with him. You know, he's worked with two of my my heroes that I've watched for numerous uh, years now with Alves and Larm. So I wanted him to pass the information on to me. So I, I want him to stay. You know, I'm fully enjoying working with him. I'm sure all the lads are as well. So, uh, as you said before, we do need to probably get a Champions League, but it is difficult. It is very difficult because it's the best. It's probably the best competition in the world. So, for us to be competing with them, we need to be, you know, on our A game, you yeah. know, constantly. Yeah. Was he so, very, was he obviously very frustrated to be uh, uh, to be out of the competition in a, in a Champions League? Yeah, we was all frustrated in the dressing room with the, the quality that we've got in the dressing room. We thought we could have gone, you know, all the way, but it's fair play to Liverpool. You know, they played a fantastic game and, and beat us in both What did he say so, at the end of the game? Um, we, we, we needed to play a perfect game for us to go to Anfield and, you know, lose 3-0. We, we needed a perfect game and there's a lot of factors that come into that, that, you know, these referee decisions need to go your way. Um, you know, we need to play very well and Liverpool obviously don't have to play too good. So it, it was one of them nights, you know, it was a disappointment at the end of it, but I think every, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and, you know, after that we went on and clinched the Premier League title. Just to say something to yeah, Kyle yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think he's one of the best fullback out there in the world yeah. of football. 
but uh, uh, the question, my question to Kyle is, uh, what did you improve under Pep? Because you were at a very high level. Uh, what did you work on to be even better at Man City? Um, it's difficult because, I, you know, I think, you know, Pochettino at Spurs is a top-class coach and you can see that with yep. the, the players that he's brought through and what he's done for Tottenham Hotspur as a football club. Um, but I think just with, you know, the gaffer here, it's about learning the game. Is it the, the psychological aspect? Is he close to you? Talking yeah, a lot? I, mean, I, get on with, I get on with him well. Um, we had a little golf tournament um, on Monday and I outdrove him in the long drive Did you drive beat him? No, I don't think I beat him. I think my long drive was the only positive thing of the day. <laughs> the short game was bad. <laughs> yeah, but he sent me a text saying, you know, I'm going to get you back next time. So, you know, he's, he's very nice and we get along really well. We've had, you know, long, deep conversations where he thinks he can improve me as a player. This yeah. is the impression we have, you know, when we're watching you uh, playing, uh, ending the game, and he comes onto the pitch and, you know, cheer things with you guys. I mean, sometimes you got an impression that is fake, but with Pep, you see, well, my impression is I play against him when he was playing at Barcelona. And I think it's, it's fair to say that he's what we see on TV is what he is in real life. Yeah, 100%. I think, as you can see, we, you know, with his emotions, you know, if we win, lose or draw, he, he, you know, he, he wants to win. And that's the most important thing for him. And I think he tries to encourage us all. We're a family there. Where, where, where do you see that when, when uh, he's talking to you? Well, the, you? You were talking about the difference between Pochettino and him. Uh, what, what does he say? What does he say to you? For you to think that he's, he's, he's got this winning streak in, in, within him? I just think his team talks before the game says everything about him. And, you know, the aura that he gives off before, I think every one of us believes that we're the best players in the world before we're going out onto the pitch. That's what he says? And, you know, well, he says he, things he like to, that? He tries to make sure that we know that we're the best team. Um, I mean, you could call it arrogant, but I call it clever as well because, you know, as a football player, you're going out there and you know, you're thinking, okay, we're the better team here. Who has improved the most? The confidence. Who has improved the most at, at City uh, uh, within your squad, uh, you know, working with Pep in this psychological aspect of the game? Someone you saw in training that was, what, not average, but could be better. And with your rival Pep, it changed completely his, uh, his way of playing football? Do you have... Ne- um. It's difficult to say. The changing room is such full of quality. You know, everyone can play the game of football. Uh, but I think it's just with, you know, with the gaff, it's about knowing when to go forward, when to keep the ball, and the passages of play that he wants us to play as well. I think you can see in our game, I mean, some of the passes that, you know, Kevin De Bruyne does and David Silva, that's just pure talent. And, you know, Pep can't really teach that but it can nurture it into a way that's going to benefit the team and benefit the individual. That's Kyle Walker of Manchester City speaking with Adam Brazil and David Ginola on TalkSport this week. We're out of time for another preview show. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the weekend. Dave is back next week from Russia. He promised me a David Sullivan hat. If I don't get one, I'll be livid. I'm Tom Rennie. I'll see you next week. All right. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. 
Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 